I want to thank everyone for tuning in to uh, the very first podcast of A Moment of Analysis, a Cincinnati football podcast. Uh, my name is Tony. I am here with Matt Alper, originally of Down to Drive, uh, a football, uh, I guess it's a football blog from uh, that's still up today, but he was the original creator of it. Uh, he also had um, a, city, a Cincinnati uh, Bearcat, uh, Cincinnati Bearcat blogcast. Uh, um with a couple of other hosts back in the day very information very um informational had a whole lot of you know uh pertinent information they were very good at it uh because they've been doing it for years he took a hiatus for a while but he's back now decided to you know join the ranks of the podcast world with his in-depth analysis and you know just different way of doing things say hi matt how you guys doing today all right. So, Matt, you have anything to add? Anything you want to say? No, it's just, you know, I've been gone for a minute, but I'm back. All right. All right. Perfect. So this week, uh, we decided to start the podcast. Um, so I've been wanting to do a sports podcast for a while. And I um, and I reached out to Matt because he has been someone I have been reading for a long time. I enjoyed his in-depth analysis on you know, everything football, specifically the Bearcats. I am a former football coach, but I never really got into the um, specifics of football, meaning, um, you know, the statistics and all the things that go into that so much, uh, which is Matt's specialty. I'm more of a old school ball coach type fellow. Um, I go by what I see and how I feel, uh, <laughs> you know, and I kind of take it from there. Uh, and so you're going to begin two different perspectives. Uh, and this is a big week for us uh, here in the Bearcat uh, fans land. And we thought it'd be a great opportunity to start this podcast. We want to take you guys back, probably go over a couple of the games before now and kind of take you through everything um, leading up to this Notre Dame game. A huge clash between, you know, uh, some of the new up and comers, the new quote unquote, my air quotes, uh, up, and up and coming Bearcats in the old uh, faithful Notre Dame uh, who, you know, Brian Kelly brought back to relevance. Um, and so, yeah, uh, how what are you looking forward to in this game, Matt? How are you feeling about this whole thing? I'm, I'm excited. How can you not be? I mean, this is what – if you are a fan of a program that has not been in the upper echelon, if, if you've not been, you know, your entire life, if you've not been an Alabama fan, an Ohio State fan, a Michigan fan, a Notre Dame fan, um, you dream of the, the the program that you do follow to get to this level. Um, I never, I mean, we were there before when we were in the Big East, right. but when the Big East blew up, I never expected to get to this level again. Um, the Tommy Tuberville era surely convinced oh, me that that was not happening again. But oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, this bad memories. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's I think that's the reaction that every UC fan has to the Tuberville era. But you make one spectacular hire. And, right. you know, not everybody was on the fence with, you know, and not everybody was full go fickle as they are now when he first got hired. But at this point, there's nobody left on the band, you know, on the fence. Everybody's on the bandwagon. Oh, Absolutely. And we're, we're, we are terrified that he's going to leave, right? Well, I'm not, honestly. I'm in the uh, ranks of, like, you know, it is what it is. Let's enjoy it while we're here. But I know a lot of people who are terrified that he's going to go, which I'm not completely convinced of, not anytime soon as of yet anyway. Yeah, but that's that's the 
that's the thing with being a fan of a program at this level. It's if you do everything right and you right. hit a home run, enjoy right. it while it lasts because it's it's not necessarily going to last. I mean, in our own conference, look at what UCF has gone through since they fired Jim Levitt. Jim right. Levitt got that program as high as it could possibly go. And they got back to it for a brief snippet under Taggart. But other than that little three-year run where, I mean, even for the first two years, those by Taggart were going to get fired. But then they had this run of success and he, you know, does what everybody, every coach in this conference has done. If you have the success, you take a trampoline and you go to the next job and, you know, you acquire some generational wealth for you and your family, right? whether or not you have any chance to succeed. And that's really what I see about coaches who leave um, the lower ranks, specifically to um, AAC uh, in particular, is they leave and a lot of them struggle with success at the next level. And there's a lot of reasons for that, uh, you know, and, and the biggest reason that I've seen thus far for coaches not succeeding, which I think will play into a lot into, um, you know, uh, Fickle's decisions in the future, uh, will be with his uh, opportunities of success um, at the next level. Uh which is why I would never think he would take that USC job, honestly. But uh, that's neither here nor there because we know he's not going to take it. He has said as much. Uh, but really the AAC, you know, you leave the AAC and go elsewhere. The resources are there. But there's there's a broken uh, – there's a brokenness to their culture that it either takes a lot to be repaired or is just broke beyond repair. And it's – it, you can't fix it or nobody has been able to fix it yet. Uh, one that comes into mind is uh, UNC with Mac Brown. Um, there's something about their football culture that can't be fixed. Mac Brown or whoever is going to bring. Uh, maybe saving. We, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, it, it will take a lot. And so there's a lot that goes on in these in, in these football rooms that you look up from the outside. Like, oh, no, that's a former blue blood. Like, that's fine. But that culture is in shambles and you know, it's going to take a lot more than spit and glue to put it back together. Yeah, and that's the really impressive thing about what Fickle has done is he is really built on the the culture at UC about being, and this culture didn't exist 20 years. Let's, let's, 20 years ago, let's call it what it is. No, it didn't. Um, but it is, Brian Kelly showed what was possible. Mm-hmm. And now Fickle is taking the next step because Brian Kelly was a meteor. Yeah. Fickle's here to build for the long haul. That's that's the difference between them. Yeah, you look at Brian Kelly, you see that he's bright, right? You look at him in his shiny suits with his hair slicked back, you know? Uh, and that's what he is. Uh, Fickle is, he's, Fickle has his own aura, his own, you know, energy in a way, and is not as bright, right? But it's as it's as or even more intimidating, right? It's it's a presence that you feel when he walks in the room. You see, yeah. you see Brian Kelly a mile away, you feel fickle a mile away. And I think that's the difference between the two. Kelly is Brian Kelly would have been successful doing what like literally anything. There was no limit to what he could. He could have Absolutely. been a a top rung, top tier salesman for a Fortune 100 company. Oh, yeah. He could have been a senator. He could have gone into politics. He dabbled in politics when he was a young man. Right. Um, but decided that he preferred to coach football. So he was going to be a success regardless. I don't think that was ever going to – I don't think he, he ever considered not being a success. 
Fickle is, you know, in the Thamel article, he he mentioned that Fickle is a little bit more like Roy Kent than Ted yeah. Lasso. And yep. I think that's accurate. Absolutely. And I think it's I think it's funny that the uh, the the players call him the general. Yes. I mean that's fucking perfect. That is. Yes. <laughs> pardon my French, but that is that pretty much describes the man. Uh. One thing I, I I watch a lot of uh, UC stuff, and one thing I notice about uh, Fickle is when he walks in a room and he speaks, everybody stops. Everybody stops and turns and looks at him. And not saying that every coach doesn't have that, but to get the immediate reaction that he gets by simply speaking, he don't have to really raise his voice. Right. Uh, and and no, another, he gives you the eyes. Exactly. No, exactly. Uh, his smile is intimidating, and you don't really, you know, what I mean, like you don't see that it's from a lot of people. It's not a snarl. It's not really a yeah. smile. It's like a it's absolutely kind of an aggressive smile, right? Like is he? He's, that don't that don't feel friendly. It don't. It don't. You know. Uh, you know. And for me, I, I truly, this is what Cincinnati needed, though. Fickle is the exact type of coach Cincinnati needed because of the nature of the environment that he's coming into. Right? Cincinnati is a very, as everybody says, Cincinnati is a very gritty town. It's a river town. Uh, it's very. It has. It has a lot of blue collar in it, right? But let's not sit here and pretend like Cincinnati doesn't have a lot of white collar as well. <laughs> but it's very blue collar, um, as far as the you know. It, it, it has a lot of simpleness to it, and that's kind of how Pickle lives. He has a very simple way of living. Um, it, it's simple in complexities, right? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I mean, uh, it's the biggest small town I've ever lived in. Exactly. Yes. And so, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a very fun football game. It's going to be a very exciting football game. Uh, I want to get into this. So where do you want to start? You go ahead. I'm gonna let you lead this whole thing as far as the football game goes. And then we can go if you want to start with the former games, you want to go right into Notre Dame, I'm let you do your thing. And then I'll go ahead and chime in. And watch gotcha. Yeah, I, I think the really interesting thing about this game is for two programs who have not played in over 100 years, I think it's 120, there's right. a lot of overlap between these staffs. I mean, Mike Mickens is an All-American at UC. He was the best cornerback. He was the best cornerback in program history before a certain Sauce Gardner. Right. Um, came back to the Bearcats when the Fickle era started, was there for a couple of years, and you know, has made no bones about his desire to be a defensive coordinator and eventually a head coach. Right. Um, so it makes perfect sense that he would take the Notre Dame job when it opened, when it was offered to him. The same thing with Marcus Freeman. You know, oh, yeah. he, he he is Fickle's guy. Fickle recruited him as a 16-year-old guy. You know, they have spent a ton of time together. He is a mentor, a father figure, right. all those things. And on Saturday, they're going to be, you know, trying to metaphorically rip each other's heads off. That's just how sport is. Yes. Um, and then on the other side of it, you, you know, the Brian Kelly thing, we, we all know what it is. It was 12 years ago. I think most people are never going to be okay with the way that he left. I completely, it was, it, it, I didn't agree with that at the time, but I'm, I, I can say I'm mostly fine with him now. Well, yeah, but everybody has come to the position that, you know, what you want from your football coach with a program of UC's former stature mm -hmm. is for that, for whoever the coach is at the time to leave the program better than he found it. And going back to hiring Tim Murphy in 1989, 
Every coach but Tuberville has left the program better than they found it. And it's because of all that progression and because of all those, all that um, good fortune in hiring, which is not a guarantee in, in college football, that we are in the position where we can have this game. And, you know, on the Bearcat side, you have Mike Denbrock, who left Notre Dame under some like contentious circumstances. And became oh, absolutely. They're here. I looked at that. I was like, you know, I, I was like, you know, yeah, you know, and, and, and for me, it's like, OK, we everybody has some contentious ways that they had left at one point in time. Uh, and you just kind of kind of have to look at it and be like, it is what it, this is the nature of the beast. Right. It's, it's, it's the reality of this system we call college football. Yes, it's, it is the business and everybody knows what the business is. Right. So because of that, you have all of these different things all of these interconnections between these two programs that don't have a previous history. This is not like these are two long-term rivals that have played every year for God knows how long. No. Um, it's the second time they've ever played. Right. But there is a lot more overlap and a lot more insider knowledge, for lack of a better term, between these two programs going into this game. What are and they, two and a half that, hours away from each other? Uh, South Bend would be like a four to five a hour four? drive, I think. But it's essentially up the road, right? When you consider it's up the road. I mean, it's in the region, right? So, I mean, people know each other. People interact. Like we got family who are, you know, a couple of Bearcat friends, while everybody else is Notre Dame fans. So those that For is sure. happening. So, yeah, and like you got that on the fan side because there's a you know, Cincinnati is a big Catholic town. Right. There are a lot of people who are Notre Dame fans over Ohio State or Kentucky or whatever their other allegiance is, but they are Notre Dame football fans. Absolutely. Um, so that's going to make for, you know, a lot of interesting dynamics, you know, in the stadium, on the field. So it's going to be a really good game just because there is a uncommon level of familiarity between two otherwise unconnected programs. It's it's an it is. I like when I when I really thought about this game, it was an odd. It was like one of those odd feelings where it's like I feel like there should be more here, as far as programs go. That's not there. Uh, you know, almost like they avoided each other uh, for a hundred years. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like the Bearcats hadn't played Indiana for a long time, but there are twenty matchups in the history of the program. They played Kentucky like forty times. They played Louisville right. sixty to seventy. You know, Pitt only had that 10 to 15 year run where they were playing pretty consistently. But I mean, even Ohio state, like they played Ohio state 20 times. Right. But they have never played Notre Dame other than that one game back in 1900. Right. And, and Notre Dame never had any like threatened threats of Cincinnati. Like, okay. Cincinnati beat some notable teams at one point in time. So I'm not saying Cincinnati would have never beat Notre Dame, but it was very unlikely for a long time. One and two is not like Cincinnati is going to take Notre Dame recruits. If Cincinnati won at that period in time, not, not even saying it will happen now, but I know a lot of programs avoid playing other programs that are up and coming because of this. They are afraid of the perception that comes with that loss in the region in their recruiting grounds. Uh, they, they want to be able to keep up, with the, you know, they're not good enough for you. Um, they can't hold a candle to us, you know, uh, you know, um, you know. So yeah, but rhetoric. I mean, it's like, yeah, during the during the heyday of Notre Dame, when they were actually, I mean, they they have re they have been reborn under Kelly. 
Right. For 20 years, they were not relevant in any way, shape, or form. But for the 40 years before that, they would come into Cincinnati and take all the Catholic kids. Oh, yeah. Every year. They, they'd take their four, five, six, seven, and just leave. I mean, that was what they did. Yeah. They did that in Detroit. They did that in Chicago. They did that in Cleveland. They mm-hmm. did that everywhere in the Midwest. Um, and they don't do that quite as much as they used to, but it's still obviously a poll. I mean, you got Michael Mayer, who's from across the river in, in Covington, went to, Covington yeah. went to Covcast, and, you know, he's in Notre Dame. It's not really a surprise to anybody. No, yeah. Uh, who, you know, is going to be one of my fears for this game uh, in a lot of ways, because I know we're going to get to this later, but, you know, our secondary is amazing, but I have some questions about it. So <laughs> Michael Mayer is something that I'm trying to keep, I'm going to keep my eye on as this game progresses uh, on Saturday. Uh, you know, and, and, and for me, you know, this, this, this game is, really going to I don't think it's going to test our secondary a lot but I do believe that uh this game will be some a, a game that will test our resolve and so I'm looking forward to it looking forward to this 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 whole clash and um you know uh so what is your biggest biggest uh like I guess your biggest concern about the game when it comes to you, like, what is something that you see in this game just that, that really makes you nervous? So the biggest thing for me is they have to be good on first down. Mm-hmm. And that goes for offense and defense, but I think it's more important for the offense. Um, just because if you, if you look at it statistically, if you have a penalty on first or second down and you face a first and second first or second and long, your chances of converting that into another down, you know, another set of downs is extremely low. We're talking like 30%. If right. you're facing a first, there were second and 15. Um, the best offenses in the country can get out of those situations on like 40% of the time. Mm-hmm. So the Bearcats have had an issue and it was mostly in the Indiana game in terms of having preset penalties, but they also started really slow against Murray State, mostly because they did not have the ball. Um, I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to control the ball and control the clock like Murray State did just because their offensive line has some issues, which we'll get to later. Uh, So the biggest thing for me is being able to have success on those first downs, to get into second and five, second and four on a consistent basis. That is the biggest concern that I have because if you can do that, Notre Dame's defense is good, but it's not – you can tell that they're still learning the scheme. Um, and the scheme is complicated. It's a simply complicated scheme is the truth. It's run around, it like, run around like your hair is on fire in a controlled manner while knowing what to do. Um, it took us, what, three years to get to that place? They really – it really clicked in the second half of 2018. Right. But it re- like in terms of being a total cohesive thing, when they debuted that dollar package against UCF, right. at that point, everything clicked. Because yes. the way that they approach it 
is from a structural perspective, what the UC, what the UC defense does is they in, in a conventional defense, your everything is called top to bottom. So your yes. secondary calls your coverage that kind of filters down to your linebackers, and then your line play kind of matches what the gaps are that the linebackers are going to be getting. So everything's called yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. UC splits that. So they have frontline players and they have the secondary <laughs> and they have the sniper that can, whose entire job is find ball, get ball. Right. So it's a really weird scheme to, to wrap your head around because it looks like a three, three, five, but it plays like something completely different. And it's mostly to do with how they attack the run mm-hmm. because usually if you see a three down front, you think, oh, there's going to be running lanes all over the place because they're not going to be able to account for all the gaps. But right. what UC does is they essentially play, their front plays a bear. Mm-hmm. So you have your three linemen. Yeah. And then, so, so that's, you know, covers your C gaps and your A gap and mm-hmm. then the Bs. Right. Both your linebackers are mugged up there. And right. they don't play at a traditional linebacker depth of four to five yards. They play at a two to three yard depth because all they're doing is attacking your blocking scheme, whatever it is. Yeah. And they know that the way that it's called and with the coverage that they have, because they play mostly quarters coverage. So if the safeties don't see a vertical route coming from tight ends, inside guys, whatever, they're attacking, flowing downhill, filling the run. Um, right. It's, it's a really complicated scheme because it is it asks so much in terms of effort from the players. And you could really see Notre Dame struggle with that early in the season, especially in the Florida State and the Toledo games. One thing I'm starting to notice is that a lot of schools, and I, I don't want to say this because I'm not sure, but it feels like a lot of schools are kind of stealing the package. Um, I know a lot of them started off with three hands in the ground, one stand up, but he was a traditional end, a uh, jack type player. Um, like UC used to have the jack. Uh, yeah. And then teams started really, once UC kind of showed, hey, we can do some, you can still do something different other than that. A lot of other teams. One that comes really comes to mind is Tulsa, how they kind of stole the whole scheme. Uh, <laughs> and you can see them really. They tried. They, yeah. they, had their, they had their version of it. Yeah. Right. You, you can see them borrow pieces um, sure. uh, from it. And you can see a lot of schools across the nation. And that's kind of how football works, of course. Uh, you see something that works really well and you start borrowing pieces. You borrow pieces from it in order to put it in your own system. One thing I notice about UC's three down linemen, though, is that the, the nose typically lines up head to head with the center. Um, sometimes it shades them. Usually it's in his face. Um, for me, when I, I used to play in the three, four, a lot of times it would still be a shade in a lot of ways, right? Like it'll be a slight shade to the left or the right because you know you have a linebacker behind you going to a hole. Um, it almost feels like UC wants the nose to attack the center yeah. and stand him up and or occupy him. Uh, they, and- they really want to occupy, especially when they get into right. their game stuff, mm-hmm. because they will do really exaggerated first step movements with that nose. Right. Just because they want either the center or the guard to grab him. Right. So that they can't then re-engage if there's an end looping or there's a linebacker crashing or you got right. your sniper coming in from, you know, eight yard depth because he's, he's reading something. He, he's reading 
his keys. He's seeing, but there's no back, there's no outlet, there's no hot. I can just go attack this. And then, you know, because of that, the offensive line really struggles to pick it up. Um, and that's true of good offensive lines. And mm-hmm. that's going to be true of Notre Dame, which is far from a good offensive line right now. And I noticed even Georgia, who's typically has a very good offensive line, when we played them, they had issues with it. Uh, not yeah, was, I, they, they couldn't handle – I don't think it's that they couldn't handle it physically. I, I don't think they could handle the aggression. Exactly. Exactly. Especially with crashing uh, linebackers. The linebackers throw – because UC linebackers are extensively more aggressive than you will typically see from a linebacker core, Right. Um, they crash into the linemen with with really reckless abandon. Uh, you know, they'll do their rip moves. They'll do their, uh, you know, uh, push moves. But they are going head first into the linemen. They don't really shade away from contact. You don't see that often from a lot of linebackers, which made Indiana unique when we played them because they played a lot of the similar ways, especially with McFadden. McFadden really occupied a lot of space, which I do think, did have an impact on the game going ahead when he got ejected, right? When UC played Indiana, because McFadden uh, occupied a lot of space as a linebacker, and it caused a lot of disruption. For sure. Uh, and but once again, as as, as a school, as a, a institution, as a program, you have to have somebody who can replace that if you lose that, right? Uh, one thing UC has is people who can replace that. So if you you know Beavers will be hard to replace, but I always think that. Uh, you know, Thomas does a decent job because that's who's been replacing Beavers when Beavers go out. Thomas does a de- decent job replacing Beavers. He's not Beavers, not yet. And I have a strong inkling he'll probably be better than Beavers uh, in the long run. Uh, but, you know, and, and that's subjective, right? That's that's better as in small increments, right? Um, yeah. But Well, they even showed in the, in the Indiana game, I don't know if you caught this, when they – when Indiana went 12 personnel, which is mm-hmm. one of the running backs, two tight ends. Right. Yes. Um, UC got bigger by taking off a defensive tackle type and moving mm-hmm. Darian Beavers to defensive end. Yes. So they had a four man front, but they, they basically swapped the DT for Jaheim Thomas and Jaheim, you know, he read his keys, played on Hill. I mean, he didn't get a ton of snaps. He probably got like 15 to 20. But that's probably the first real live, you know, first team look that he's had. And it's just how they use Beavers is going to be really interesting in this game because yes. Notre Dame, Notre Dame should want to spread UC out. They should. They have mm-hmm. pretty good athletes on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they. I mean, they're good, but they're not like elite. They're not, and they're not a bunch of speed demons. Who I worry about them taking the top off the. Defense. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. But are, I do have some worries, but that's not not because they're speed demons. <laughs> but they're kind of big physical guys. That's like right. more their their mo. But because Notre Dame cannot protect a soul, I'm expecting to see a lot more two tight end sets from them. And if I'm UC, I just go to that package where Darren Beavers is now playing essentially your weak side defensive end, and just straight out jamming Michael Meyer and the other tight end to kind of prevent them that from having free releases and also getting to the quarterback as well. Um, that's going to be one of those fascinating things to see because, because Beavers is so big and so fast, he right. can do so many different things. So you like, you can switch up your entire look mm-hmm. depending on one guy. 
And Beavers can play inside and out. Rotation. Yes, that's he's yeah. so right. valuable to the defense. Right. Right. And then you have you have DeBlanco, who uh, is very understated in our defense, right? Like everybody who actually pays attention to UC and truly understands this team know that DeBlanco is invaluable, right, to this scheme at this point. But to everybody else, it's like, who is the, this DeBlanco game? He don't seem to do much. But if you pay attention to the games, he's always disrupting. Yep. He's always there causing havoc and causing issues and causing timing issues. He's always in the face. He's always blowing up. He he's built like a he's built like a wrestler. Uh and he seems to be as strong as an ox because he manhandles offensive linemen. And it's just it's it's insane to see. And a lot of people, if you pay attention, you understand football. He's is somebody that we truly need to be who he is. We need to be, we need him to be the standard that he is. And if he if the Blanco plays that the ways that he play and play a little bit faster in a horizontal, you know, <laughs> horizontally, because last year he seems to play a really he seemed to play really fast horizontally last year. And yeah. this year he seemed to be a step slow. Uh which might be the change in coaches because as I have read, uh, Trestle expects a little bit more reading um, at the line than Freeman did. And so I think part of that is, you know, Trestle came to this. UC has a scheme that's pretty unique that nobody else really runs. I mean, Iowa State has a version of it. You know, Tulsa has a version of it, but they're not quite the same thing because they don't fit the run in the same way that UC does. I mean, UC right. really, like, they fit run blocking concepts. Any any gap, any power, any pull, like, if there's a puller at all, mm-hmm. they fit that run blocking scheme like a like a key and a lock. Can I tell you, I've never seen it before. Coaching, playing, uh, I've never seen a team, especially with three down linemen, stop the run the way they do. It's insane. And I'm I don't know at how it. they do it. Yeah, and like I'm, I, I am a, I'd like to think I'm a relatively advanced football fan. I, I, I will say this from somebody who has been a part of the game for a long time. You are incredible at dissecting things. Like if I was a coach I and I had a team, I'd be like, "Can I get Matt Opper? He don't live here. We just need him to break things down because he's really good at that. We'll, we we kind of need that. Yeah, I, I, I respect your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, but like how they do it, it, it just, and, and like, you know, I, I'm a consumer of college football content. And, and mm-hmm. last year, the thing I kept hearing was from really smart football people is I don't understand how Cincinnati's doing what they're doing with the talent that they have. This doesn't make sense. It, like, I do not understand. It's like, I'm kind of confused too. I'm, I, I don't know. It's like, and I really think it comes down to how they, and I don't know for sure that they do this, but I'm the way they play. This is the only way that makes sense to me right. is that they split your front and your coverage responsibilities. That's and, the only you know, thing I can think of. Yeah. And they have, you know, uh, Brian Mason is the special teams coordinator. He's also the snipers coach. Right. They have one guy whose entire job is to coach four people. There's four snipers on their roster. Because their position is so unique. Yes. It's such a unique position. Yeah. Yeah. And and the way that one of the things that I'm looking forward to watching is Deshaun Pace in this game against Notre Dame. Because 
I think he's going to be a real key mm-hmm. to how they attack the the Notre Dame the the Notre Dame passing game because yes. they are so hell bent on feeding the ball to Michael Mayer, which is smart. He's the best player you have. He's by far the most talented receiver you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they funnel everything through him, but you can't throw one look at him the entire time. They're going to have to throw different guys at him. I think Pace will get the majority of that look. Um, Beavers can hold up with him physically. He's not, mm-hmm. he gets a little grabby in coverage. So I'm not super comfortable with that as yes. a long-term right. option. Especially but in uh, a, South Bend. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. as a dose to show him something different. Sure. Mm-hmm. Brian Cook probably is the next most physically ready, you know, able to kind of handle him. I mean, like he cut down uh, Leonard Washington like he was nothing. That in was Georgia insane. Game. Yes, I was. I I was just like, you know what? I'm good with Cook forever. Like we, yeah, he's, we can he's definitely, good. yeah, he's fine. <laughs> no questions. Yeah. So like how they how they approach Mayor is going to be, I think, the biggest key in the game because I don't think. I just don't think that Notre Dame is going to be able to block UC in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Just because nobody has really shown any ability to block them for the long term. Uh, I know they only have four sacks in the year, and it doesn't look good because that's like 116th in the country. But yeah. if you look at the pressure rate, mm-hmm. so on on the dropbacks, you know, you I, I count two things when I when I you know do my my spreadsheet, you know, on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons or whenever I get around to it. I, so you I just look, do spreadsheets randomly. Like I have nothing to do with these. They're just here and I'm just going to do it. You know, when, when you write, you have to keep your things organized. And Got you. I started doing this because it was a lot easier. I got tired of whipping out the notebook and I like to do things with the notebook, but I got mm-hmm. tired of doing that for every single article, for every single you know, every single podcast, when I'm looking up the same, you know, handful of stats every single time. So yeah, I started doing a spreadsheet like an alpha nerd, but <laughs> you know, everybody's got their hobbies. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Nate, no judgment here. I am, I have my own nerd moment, so I can't, but I, it was just interesting to hear that that happens, but no, <laughs> I, I, I respect it. I, it just helps me make sense of what I'm seeing. Because right. The great thing about football is that there's, you know, it's 11 people. It's utter chaos. You can't really assign credit or blame to any one player in any given play. Right. I mean, you, you can get close if you have the requisite knowledge, but just looking first turn, first time, you can't tell who went wrong, who did what, mm-hmm. you know, who, who misfit a gap, who didn't replace a blister, whatever it was. You can only discern that after the fact. Right. But I like being able to kind of marry – what I see with what the numbers say. And I think that gives me a more accurate representation of, you know, what's going on. And when it comes to this Notre Dame game, what I see is a defense that's pretty good. Right. A passing game, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Not super explosive, but pretty consistent, very successful, mm-hmm. has a high success rate. But with a really you know, crucial flaw in that they literally cannot block a soul. No, they've, I, given up, I, they've given up 20 sacks in four games. They're on pace for 60. Um, uh, generally, like the worst team in the country gives up like 
45. You know, 50. I'm, not a Notre, I'm not a Notre Dame fan by any stretch of the imagination, but it's frustrating to me when I watch them. Honestly, I watched two quarters of the Wisconsin game and couldn't watch it anymore because the offensive line play was so bad. I, you know, as someone who, who, who teaches football or used to, you still get those, those moments. You know, you try to watch a game for fun and it's very hard to do. Uh, I have a, I struggle with UC with that. Right. Uh, um, particularly when on offense, because I was an offensive coach more than, you know, than, than, and, and so, uh, and UC has some very frustrating offensive moments. So, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get that. <laughs> absolutely. But for Notre Dame point, their offensive line really gives me like, I just, I can't watch offensive line play that bad. I it's, it does something to me, uh, fundamentally. So, yeah, and they do like this weird, like they do weird things that if everything's working, this is fine as like a wrinkle, but like they, they do like they have this weird draw play where every offensive lineman will stand up and they turn and face either right or left and the back will go wherever their backs are turned. It's if kind of an old school a, thing. It is. It's a, it is an old school thing, but like that <laughs> only works if like your inside zone blocking works. Right. Or if you have, you know, if you're if you're bread and butter inside wide zone duo, mm-hmm. if that stuff's working, that's a good, that's a good little wrinkle to have. But if like yes. none of that's working, and, and you're pulling that out on like a third and eight, it's, that's that's where I get like, who who's teaching this is a proper technique, mm-hmm. and why do you think this would work? I don't know. I don't know. UC had a hockey player. Um, maybe somebody who played a trombone at one point. I don't know. They had people they put off the street. They had, they had the um, island of misfit toys, and they yes. have a competent running game. Exactly. Like it. It. It was. You know. Um. I mean, this is is really something that we can uh give all the accolades to Crook that we you know in the world for that. Yep. Uh, masterpiece. Absolutely. Um. But you see defense and, you know, uh, when it comes to that O-line, I, once again, as you said, I don't think they can block UC. They're not going to be able to. Uh, but one thing that teams have unloaded on UC, like you said, 12 personnel, which seems to give UC a little bit of trouble from time to time, which is, intrigues me. I kind of understand why, but it's still, it's still, right? Because you don't know what the tight ends are going to do necessarily. Are they going to block or are they going to release? Or they, they might block and then release right yeah. but you also but also what gives uh uh you know cincinnati fits because they are the don't you know don't give a big play type of defense that's how the defense is constructed you don't give a big place um you read then react as far as like you know for instance uh, a safety like cook he might play downhill but he still has to make sure that he's not leaving anyone right and then he'll break one thing yeah. that kills them is quick passes. Kills you see on on the boundaries, right? So, yep. um, you know, and, and that one thing that worries me when it comes to this game is if they decide to say, "Hey, we're not holding the ball more than three seconds on any play," get it and then let it go, right? Eventually, I, I believe that you know somebody like Sanders is going to read it and pick it off, right? It's going to happen if you do it too much. So you have to deviate from that a little bit. Not Sanders, sorry. Uh, uh, Gardner, mix up. Yeah, you know, is he gonna pick it off? You know, uh, which you know, when you have like you know, uh, uh, 
UCF tried to do to us back in 2018 or 19, 18. Was it 18 or 19? When we finally beat UCF, it was 19, right? 19. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was a home game. Right. So UCF tried to break our defense down by doing short passes, comebacks, whatnot, you know, um, that type of thing, and tried to wear us down because we wasn't giving up the big plays. We was expecting – and eventually we jumped it, right, because they did it too much. I believe that would happen again. If So teams try to deviate from that a little bit and show different looks. Um, One thing that does scare me, though, in general, is that they will do enough dink and dunks and our team don't recover fast enough that it might hurt us. Uh, they do have a little bit of speed. They don't have the best receivers, but they do have speed in certain spots. Um, yeah, Lindsay's a very fast player. Their backup right. running back is really quick. Right. Um, and like, I'm interested to see how they, to me, if I'm, if I'm Notre Dame, when I look at this game, I'm looking at running backs. You, you got to get, you you gotta get you gotta get Kevin Williams you gotta get uh, Tyree involved in the game. The Blanco can't cover them, and we know that. Exactly, you can't you can't run, but you're so you're not gonna be able to run. So how do you do? It? You gotta do it in the passing game. Do you do that right. by spreading out, or do you do that by condensing the formation, making sure they get more people in there, and finding right. your matchup? Right. That is a concern that I have, but I think there's also a really easy solution to that for UC, which is to utilize Deshaun Pace and to a lesser extent Tyvon Slauson, you know, as those Roberts, as those guys yeah. kind of trying to rob those quick routes. Because like if you have no threat to take off the top of this defense, mm-hmm. they are just gonna sit at oh, yeah. five yards. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just gonna continually, you know, kind of ramp up that pressure until you find a way to hit them over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll give you two and three yards and then they'll stop you on sure. third down. You know, yeah. or they won't. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. But I, I agree with you on limiting those free access plays, not to the boundary, because right. Sauce doesn't give up anything. He's pressed 100% of the time. Oh, yeah, that's but true. But to, to the field, right? Kobe does play off a little bit more in this scheme than he did previously with Marcus. Now, we'll see if that was all kind of an elaborate ploy to show a different thing. Mm-hmm. than they actually really want to do because we know that these guys are capable of pressing and that, you know, Trussell comes from the Mark Antonio tree with that press for, you know, press quarter scheme that Michigan State ran exceptionally well to unprecedented heights right. and, you know, won a Big Ten title, which doesn't happen often in these kind of things, um, no. mainly on the strength of that defense that nobody else could figure out. And the one thing that I'm looking for in this game more than any other is what Michigan state was so good at in those years was their six man pressure looks mm-hmm. that we have not seen yet from UC. I know they're there. I know they're in the book. They have to be right. Like, yeah, there's no way I he mean, didn't come over here without them. Yeah. They're there. And I ca- like the scheme of it's really interesting because what they do is they love the state. But usually when you send six, you got to go man. But what they do is they'll run three over top. Mm-hmm. And then you have your two guys underneath who all they're doing is looking for the hot route. Right. You got a running back on an angle route or, you know, uh, something out to the flat. They're going to, their entire job is to go rob that route and make them force, you know, an arm punt into, you know, a cloud coverage that doesn't have a huge success of 
you know, huge chance of success, even if you get the pass off, which against a six-man blitz with this offensive line, mm-hmm. not, not looking good for Jack Combs. No, not at all. Uh, I want to spend just uh, – we can do, like, you know, five more minutes on the defense. We can talk about defense all day. This whole thing can be about defense, and we can't <laughs> – we can't really – We could. We could. No, technically, yes, right? Uh, do a part two on, what, uh, Friday? No. Uh, <laughs> but one thing I wanted to – uh, really talk about one is my 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 concern about Hicks. Um, I always had concern about I had concern about Hicks in 2019, <laughs> and those concerns have not really uh, found a way. Yeah, it seems to be the same problem. Um, whereas he oh, seems still seems to be a step slow from time. Amazing at takeaways, right? He for some odd reason he has a knack to snatch the balls out of places, right? Like he can just he'll take the ball from you and be like, oh, he did it again, right? But he's he's coverage, the coverage, right? Yeah. You know, he kind of gets lost. He still gets lost in coverage. I think uh, he's too aggressive for the position that he plays. Like, right. he seems to want to play safety like a cornerback, but you can't really do that because, right. you know, a cornerback has a second defender. They have a sideline. Right. So they have a lot more leeway to get super aggressive because, if they if they screw up their jam or the receiver gets a really good release, mm-hmm. if you get right, you can kind of fade into the sideline and shrink the window where the ball can go. Right. But if you're in the safety and you're between the numbers and the hash, there's nowhere to mm-hmm. go. Exactly, and he get beats by he like uh, he like a tight end will get a step on him. You'd be like, how? Like, you know, you know, um, because I'm sure he's faster than a four six. I'm almost positive he it you know. Uh, hopefully he's faster than the four six. I have no idea what his forty is, but he gets beat by people. Like, how did he get beat? Especially a lot of times he put lining up twenty yards off the ball, right? A lot of times he's the deep safety. Yeah, and I haven't really been expecting. Like, I expected this the way they align the safety to be more like what you saw with Michigan State, where right the safeties would plant their heels at the ten, you know, ten yards from the line of scrimmage, and wait for you know whoever was coming to vertical, whether that was the running back, the slot receiver, the tight end, whoever that is, but he's playing a little bit more depth and I'm not quite sure why, because they didn't play with that depth last year. It almost feels like the hide them. Can I be honest? Uh, It feels, you know, um, just from my, like my perspective, it just feels like they're hiding him. They know that if he, they know that if he's already 20 yards back, then it's less likely he'll get beat because of the way he plays. Uh, and also, he then once again, he has to be really good at takeaways. So if he can get on top of the deep ball, there's a high light chance that he will get a pick, you know. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what that's for is to keep him and keep him where he needs to be and give him kind of a uh, head start there. Right. Uh, you know, and, and he he's. You know, and he's usually on top of the ball. He might be a little late arriving <laughs> that we like we have seen. Uh, yeah. But he arrives eventually. Uh, if he can get his timing down and and react a little bit quicker, uh, and I don't is he? My thing is like, is he still thinking? Why is he still thinking? Like at some point you got to stop, right? At some point it's just got to be football. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's all Cook does is play football. Obviously, <laughs> he, I don't even know if he does the right thing half the time. He's just playing. Um, well, that's that's what makes a defense so hard to really know. Like, is right. is your safety getting? 
beat over the top because he was in the wrong position or because whoever the underneath defender didn't get a proper reroute. Right. And gave him a free release. And now you have, you know, like that would be a nightmare with Braden Lindsay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Cause apparently Lindsay has catch issues. Uh, but you know, like if Troy Tucker is running down your seam and your safety hasn't moved his feet, that's, you know, that's a bad thing. You, yeah, you want a little bit that. more movement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've seen Trey get behind the safeties and be bad. Yes. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, I get your concerns. I just right. don't know if Notre Dame has the guy to attack it because yeah. Mayer can box out and, you know, get 10, 15 yards pretty easily, but he's not really a threat to take the top off. Mm. And, like, I would live with the mayor on on Hicks' matchup. It, like, it wouldn't be my preferred Hicks is matchup. tall. Hicks is yeah, tall. He's, he's not really he's big. Ranging. but Right, he's ranging. He can handle that. Uh, And I don't think mayor's going to outrun him, not in the least. Uh, no. So you're, I, I can see that. I, I I see you brought me down. You brought me down from <laughs> from <laughs> my uh, – now, Murray I, State, I, but <laughs> – Yeah, I agree. Like, he needs to his level of play. Yeah, but like we've we've seen it, you know. Right. So I have faith that he can get it in the you know he's older, more experienced, more mature, maybe. Right. Um, so <laughs> <Yeah>. he, he, <laughs> he should be able to figure it out. Right. Um, hopefully Saturday's not an issue, but that's why they play the game. Exactly, Murray State. I've seen uh, really kind of opened UC's eyes uh, up to what people can do to them because of their aggressiveness, right? Yep. Um, it, it really uh, gave UC some film on what they need to correct. I've, I've never seen UC get uh, UC'd, right? <laughs> you, I have yeah. never seen, you know, UC got done what they do to people. Um, and so it gave them an opportunity to say, hey, we're susceptible to this as well. Do you see how that could help this Notre Dame game? I mean, I could... Let- the the problem with that is like Murray is such a unique offense because mm-hmm. they're they're like an old school Rich Rodriguez spread to run offense. They right. Have no interest in passing. Anything beyond ten yards, sorry, not interested. Gotcha. No 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 sir. I'm not gonna do any of that. But so they'll spread you out, but they have they were never eleven personnel. They had mm-hmm. a couple of twelve personnel really weird formations where they would have kind of like a wing alignment to the left. I've seen that. The pistol. Yeah. And they would have, like, usually one of those guys will kind of arc across or bluff across the backside and either release into the flat or just kind of follow up to another linebacker of the safety, whoever's in the alley. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, they would both kind of do an insert, which is just adding another gap for the defense to to hold. And UC was consistently a, 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 a man short, a gap short in the run fence. And you're right, like nobody has really been able to do that to them. Indiana did a little bit, but they did it more with, I mean, half of the runs came on were, were DJ Matthews, the wide receiver, who got end around. Right. Um, one of those, Joel DeBlanco had Stephen Carr dead to rights, five yards in the backfield, and Carr somehow managed to stay up and flip it to Matthews, who then goes around the end. That the was other one, insane. Oh, I, I didn't, Yeah. The other one was a really great play that Indiana had that I'd never seen them do before where they had like a quick motion from the tight end, mm-hmm. but then he like does a 360 
and flips out the backside of it yeah. right as Matthews goes his end around. And Jawan Briggs was the only player home. And he was like spinning in a circle. He didn't know what to do. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and, and they had two guys on Cook to block, and it's like that was that was an yeah. easy touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, and and speaking of Indiana, I do want to get to UC's offense. Uh, 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 I kind of want to uh, get there um, because Indiana more than any other team. Because once again, Murray State UC offense didn't get the ball into the second half. Yeah. Uh, Miami. It wasn't. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a match. You see, start getting bored at halftime. Uh, so with Indiana though, they were able to do some. Well, you. Well, it was one. I thought. I do think it's partly crowd noise. Two. It was the huddle. When I seen them get in the huddle, huddle, I said this that you don't do that, right? My first thought was when they get in the huddle is you don't do that in these situations. You should have practiced the huddle during Murray State. Yeah. Well, right. and just. You're, you're football is such a rhythm and comfort sport, right? Like it, it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't seem like it is like basketball is or soccer is or, or golf or tennis or whatever, mm-hmm. but it really is because if you're not comfortable and anything really throws you off your process and your rhythm, right. It can really have a, a negative effect. And it did in the Indiana game, which is why, you know, they had it in the family article today whereby like at halftime, they left the freaking wristband that this poor GA spent, I don't know how many hours, yeah. <laughs> constructing and making perfect, and they just left it in the locker room. At but that's part because... of being a GA, though. That's part of your job is do unnecessary things, do the, do the new necessary things that become unnecessary that get scrapped. But, you know, you get paid, Correct. you know, to go to school for that. So <laughs> you, 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 you do things that do not withstand first sight of the enemy. That exactly. Is, that is not the job description, but it should be. Yeah, that should be the first thing you see. It's like half the things you do is worthless and won't be there at the end of the day. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, so like it went really badly. But what I love about this team and what I love about the staff is they mm-hmm. adjust. They have no oh, yeah. compunction about they're not going to continue to bang their heads into the wall if something's not working. Mm-hmm. They find new solutions very quickly. Um, and, you know, everybody – Every Indiana fan on the planet and every Notre Dame fan that I've seen has said that we would have lost that game if he hadn't got ejected. They were figuring it out. Yes. Like the offense was getting in a rhythm. You know, it wasn't going to be a pretty game just because that's how Indiana plays. Oh, yeah, I I figured that. They are so physical and so aggressive. They are a lot like UC in that they do not have – like you see in 2018, they do not have an overwhelming physical advantage. Their advantage is going to be in their physicality. Exactly. You know, they're going to make up for their lack of measurables by playing harder than you. They're going to punch you in the face. And when you stumble, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we got you. And keep punching you in the face until you just give in. That's what UC did all 2018. They just made people give in. Correct. And, you know, the offense's ability to adjust and kind of find their footing in that second quarter Mm-hmm. By the time, I, honestly, in my head, when Indiana only got 14 points out of their four red zone possessions, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a wrap. Yeah. You yeah. cannot oh, leave yeah. You cannot leave points yeah. on the board against this UC. It's just not going to be a successful thing. And Tom Allen knew it. You know, why'd you go for it on fourth and one? Field goals aren't going to win this game. Absolutely. 
you're playing a very good UC team that seems out of sorts, right? And yeah. you're you're calculating how long is that out of sorts going to last? Because once they once they gather themselves, it's going to be a long game. And he knew that, like you said, he he knew that, and he was hoping that he could put them away before they get their marbles, right? Before they get their thoughts together and and, and plan their and, and work their way out of you know the place they were, the stupor they were in, right? Correct. Um, and he wasn't able to do it. The team, you know, in Indiana was not able to put UC away before they were able to get their legs back under them. And once it did, there, there it wasn't a chance. And if UC, and I fully believe if UC had their legs underneath them from the beginning, it would have been an ugly game. Yeah, like it would have been an ugly game if John Williams didn't make the inexplicable decision to, all right, man, uh, I fucked up. I'm going okay. to be a hero. Okay. <laughs> You know what? I mean, we didn't have to bring that up because that was that hurt me. When <laughs> I, I I get it, I have I have been that guy. You know, I I'm like, oh, that went really badly. I'm gonna I'm gonna correct this. Yeah, this is good. I'm gonna fix this by myself. By yeah, Just yeah. Fall on the ball, punt. Sir, you are three hundred some pounds and you run a five one <laughs> flat. What are we doing? What are we doing? Why and that was you know that was that was an interesting decision from a very young player. It was, he's going yeah. to who is going to be good, who's incredibly intelligent. Like actually, it like aerospace engineering. Oh, he's going to be an amazing out left tackle. Oh, he's going to be outstanding. I believe that wholeheartedly. I think the environment was too big for him at the moment. Point the moment got to him. For mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. And that's you know that's one of the biggest questions into the Notre Dame game is what do you do with the offensive line because. I think John Williams can play in spots. I think he can give you mm-hmm. 20 to 30 plays a game. I don't think I'm particularly comfortable having him out there no. the entire game. Um, Tunstall, Tunstall needs to start. Yeah, Tunstall, he has I, to. I agree he needs to start. I'm not sure if he has completely wrested that job from him. Um, you know, they had a, a bye week. I'm sure they got it sorted out. Yeah. Uh, the other really, really interesting question is, is Vinny McConnell healthy? Because if he's not, I'm – and I never thought I would say this. I'm really more than comfortable to have Lorenz Metz out there just Lorenz mauling dudes. Can we give it up for Lorenz Metz and his work to become a guard and become thus far really, really disruptive? Like he destroyed, he was he was destroying Big Ten defense of linemen. Like yeah. Throwing them like like he was, they were rag dolls in his hands. Like they literally were just in the air, moved like he was just swaying them around. Like I've never, honestly, I've seen a lot of offensive players. Like I've seen a lot of offensive linemen, and I've never seen offensive linemen handle manhandle people like that. He is, he is the one percent of one percent of genetic lottery ticket holders. Like oh yeah, to be that big that strong not a stiff like that's he's that's fast really yeah for for a six foot nine 330 pound german yeah he's really fast yeah and and like there were so after so they had the onside because they misaligned on a kick remember right no i remember that so it's fourth and one mm-hmm. and thick you know does the, the does the hand motion going like doesn't even say like we're going. Right. And they run duo. 
three plays in a row and Lorenz Metz on the second one, you know, it's a play where, you know, you're supposed to get a double team on one tackle, a double team on the other tackle. You're supposed mm-hmm. to take them up. And then when you get to the linebacker level, somebody disengages. Yep. Well, Lorenz takes his dude to the second level, doesn't disengage with the first, just reaches out his giant left hand and just like palms this dude. Yes. On a seven yard game for four. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like when he's, when he is comfortable and he knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. which is really easy to do at guard, his immense physical ability shines through. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tackle was too much thinking. And he had the athletic ability to play tackle, but I don't. He don't have the football knowledge. He don't have the football history. He hasn't been playing the game long enough to play tackle. And he didn't have the patience. That too. Because you 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 see him when he's in his kick. Mm-hmm. You know when he gets to that like third kick, he's like leaning forward trying to engage whoever the defensive lineman would be in the Georgia game. And like mm-hmm. that's that's not that's a that's an easy way to get beat playing tackle is you have to wait for them to come to you. Right. Like you're you're in the way and you're the size of many doors. They're right. gonna have to go through you, wait for them to come. But that patience piece, I mean, he's been playing football for five years. That's not that's not a natural thing in a violent game to be like, No, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck you up. Right. Well I'm you gonna can wait. feel the excitement when run play. <laughs> like you can see his excitement in his actions during run plays. Like it's like full goal. It's like run play and I'm off. Like that that 79-yard run with Ford in the Georgia game, you can just see him destroy his the person. A Georgia defender. Georgia. We're talking about Georgia. He yeah. destroyed that uh end and and Ford just took off right behind him. Yeah, and he walked him up to the second level and deposited yeah. him on his linebacker. Like, yeah. here, he's yours now. And, and it was insane. Like, and you don't get, like you said, that's 1% of 1%. And so this offense is going to, I believe this offense will move with Mets. That's hard to, that's weird to say, right? Yeah. But but that's how I feel. I feel like Mets is that X factor for UC that a lot of people aren't talking about. If we can get Ford to run behind him. And one thing I say about Ford that a lot of people aren't listening to, Ford has really quick feet. He's amazing. He has amazing vision and traffic. In traffic, if there's 10 players around him, he'll find little spots. He gets real skinny. He gets real small. And yeah. he tiptoes his way through. One thing that bothers me about Ford is his vision open and open field. When he gets to that set, even before he, if he gets to the second level, even before he gets to that second level uh, uh, and things are crashing around him, he he doesn't do a great job of finding the new lane. He uh, does the speed a little bit too much. Exactly that too. Yes. Um, and like, I I get it. Like if I'm if my speed had never let me down ever in my life, I probably right. would too. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. I I I, I um yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Trust me. I do believe he trusts his speed too much and I think some sometimes I think he don't trust it enough. And, and I say that because sometimes I can say there'll be one guy on the outside where I feel like in my heart, if, if he trusted his speed, he probably can get four or five extra yards trying to beat that man to the outside, right? Instead, he goes back right behind an office alignment and try to churn out two more yards that way. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it's always like, you're fast. You're really, really fast. And there is a time to trust your speed and the time is not. And when the inside is bottled up, 
and there's only one guy who's usually either a linebacker or D end out there waiting for you, it might be a safety. It might be a safety. It you should take that. <laughs> What'd you say? I said it might be the alley player. Yeah. Or the alley. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Um, you should take your chance beating them because you run a four, four. Right. And I doubt they run a four, four. Cause usually they don't, um, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 but you know, it, it's really up to you. Um, I never really got into um, like you, my, my specialty is running backs. Um, that's what I played. That's what I coached. Um, and one thing I always believe in is use your eyes, trust your eyes and know your talent, right? Know how fast you are, how strong you are and do what you're best at. And for Ford is the speed. He's really strong. He's really good in, in, in traffic, but his speed is his ace. And like you say, he trusted too much sometimes, but sometimes he don't trust it enough. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, an experience thing. I mean, he his high school team was so freaking stacked. I mean, he played with two other five-star running backs, so he played slot receiver. That's true. That is true. That I is mean, true. with time, he'll, he'll, he'll get better. And, like, that's – I think that they are going to be able to run on Notre Dame especially if uh, their no-tackle um, is out. Because he was in oh, the yeah. protocol for the Wisconsin game. If he is out, they are alarmingly small on the front. Yeah, Like UC will outweigh him by 30, 30 pounds a man. And that's not something I expected when I was looking at this game back in July. Um, and if that's the case, I think they will be able to run on him. But I think for UC to really win this game comfortably – they gotta, they gotta be explosive in the passing game. Oh, absolutely. And here's 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 what I see. Uh, you see, passing game is going to, you know, uh, is more on the offensive line than it is on the receivers. Our receivers, um, I believe, they have the talent and the skill to get open. Can our offensive line not make Desmond uncomfortable? Right? Can our keep Desmond comfortable enough to get at least five seconds in a pocket? Right? To make you know, a series of reads and let the, you know, get a comfortable release on the ball. Uh, one thing we do know is Desmond do struggle with pressure uh, throwing the ball. Uh, and so can we get that Desmond that, that, that comfort to play and play to his skill set? Also, uh, Desmond ran for 10, uh, 10 yards, ran 10 times for uh, 45 yards, so 4.5 yards of carry. Um, also, I do believe that we do have to make them scared of Desmond running to get a good passing game. Um, as well as a good running game. I think all of that's going to go hand in hand if, because we have to make them sit still. Is this a draw or is this a pass, right? We have to make the line hesitant and the linebackers hesitant to make a certain move to cover or even to blitz and put a lot of pressure on Des. Yeah, I think the interesting thing to watch for that is how much man they play. Mm. Because if they if they play man and they don't get home, Des is out the back door for 20 yards multiple times. Uh, I don't think they have anybody who can guard, guard Pierce either. I don't. I have I watching them. I don't, I don't like their corners. Ever. I don't no. like their corners. I'll no. be honest. Like they they had a good game against Wisconsin, but that's because Graham Burt's is one of the 10 worst FBS, FBS quarterbacks this year. Like, Is Graham Mertz and Penix the same quarterback this year? 
because when I looked at their stats, UC versus uh, UC versus Indiana and uh, 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 Notre Dame versus uh, 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 Wisconsin, and I will argue and say they're probably about as talented. Wisconsin and Indiana probably are about as talented as each other, especially when it comes to defense. Offense, but offensively, they almost had identical numbers in those two games, and it was – and they both – <laughs> the difference to me is Penix has he has a Notre Dame level offensive line, right? Whereas Mertz has a slightly better, more functional offensive line. It's not, you know, it's not good by Wisconsin standards, but by right. like normal, normal non-Wisconsin Alabama standards, because that's usually where they are. Um, they're they're pretty good. Uh, okay, Penix is just running for his goddamn life. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, I don't know how many offensive back foot 45 yarders he threw to DJ Matthews, but it was more than one. And he has an amazing talent. And he did it against Ohio State, where he can just have a prayer throw, accurate prayer throws. He's really good at having, is, you know, he's really good at that, throwing accurate prayer throws. True. Um, <laughs> you, know, you, you know who's not? Jack Nerd. Cone. He oh, Cone. oh, Cone, he's not. He's not. Oh, he Cone. Just takes, he just takes the sack. Yes. He, he avoids the mistake. <laughs> Yeah, but, but back to the, the Bearcats offense. Right. I, I th- this passing game is going to be really interesting. And one of the things I am most looking forward to is the variety of personnel and formations that they show in the Miami game to make a return. Because they really haven't – they didn't really do any of that stuff in the Indiana or Murray State game. They were very, yeah. very basic. They stuck in their 12 personnel. They stuck in their, you know, 13 personnel. Yeah. Or no, their 11 personnel pretty consistently and they didn't really like they didn't show any formation of the boundary they didn't show trips they didn't show they showed all that stuff in the miami game it's like they put it on film to be like look at this look at all the shit we can do right and they didn't do any of it. but you know i i get why you do that you want to tie up the staff and be like right all right we gotta we gotta account for all of this like yeah. this big list of things this is five percent of their offense we're gonna have to spend time on this because it could right. go really really badly but then they didn't use any of it in the last two games, I'm hoping some of that comes back in this game. I wholeheartedly believe it will. Um, only because there seemed to be, when I was watching the Miami game, there was wrinkles that weren't exploited, right? When they used those packages. There was other things that could be used. And one thing I've learned about Denbrock is he loved building three different options in one play, three or four different options in one play. No one play has just used by itself, right? So, <laughs> you know... You know, his zone read options have three different reads, uh, you know, um, and and he loves his tight ends. But not only does that, but he also loves uh, just having, you know, maybe, you know, a, a um, quick, uh, a quick um, around uh, out. Sorry, a quick out round pass uh, to Tuck, Tucker, the little what's what is it called? The little pass he does. Yeah. The, the jet, jet sweep. sweep, the jet sweep. Sorry, the jet sweep. He loves those with Tucker. He can do those with Tyler. Uh, Scott, yeah. uh, you know, but those uh, th- th- those little wrinkles he had, I feel like there's more to that that has not been exploited, that has not been exploited, but has not been used, that is available. I believe that there are packages, not even packages, but uh, other plays that weren't used that they plan on bringing out Notre Dame. I know a lot of people are like, why would they do that? Because it's personal. This week is personal. We know how thick it is. We know yeah. that Denbrock feels, probably feels slighted from Notre Dame a little bit. And I'd, I mean, because, he's, he's going to feel some type of way. Right. Um, and and they, I believe, you know, they, they knew Indiana would be hard 
but they didn't think Indiana would be. Um, I think they thought they could do be who they are. You see, thought they can be who they are, which is, you know, you know, they're not very flashy, you know, and win against Indiana, and they essentially did. It took a little bit more work, and I think that then I think they expected. Uh, but this Indiana yeah. game is the game that they were like, we're going to unleash hell on them. And then the other part of that, like, I don't doubt that that stuff was in the script, but right. when your first drive, you have first and 15 on the first play. When on your second drive, you have second and 15 on the second play. Right. Your script's out the window. Like, oh, absolutely. There's, there's, you can't, whatever your script is, you can't get it if your first 10 plays are all disrupted by pre-snap fouls. And I don't think that is going to be an issue against Notre Dame because, and this is, you know, this might offend some Notre Dame people, but that's not a loud stadium. It's really not. It's it's a very country club crowd. Okay. I've never been there. I've never really experienced. Like on TV, they don't never seem loud, but that's TV. And a lot of times TV turns up uh, volume on the crowd anyway, so it seems louder than what they are. Um, you said there's going to be a lot of golf claps. I, I don't know about, like, they'll, they'll cheer, but it's not like this, it's not like this cauldron of, you know, anger and energy that you get in, like, real home field advantage plays. Like, it's not, you know, it's not West Virginia Stadium. It's oh, not no. Nippers. Yeah. It's not on yeah. that level. I'm not yeah. saying they're, they're like, mice in there, but they're, like, this is not, <laughs> it's not Ohio Stadium. It's nowhere right. near that, that, that level. It's more like Michigan. Got you. And Michigan is loud because you got a lot, you know, you got a hundred thousand people there, but they're not like a super loud crowd. And they weren't loud. Even when you watch, go back and watch uh, UC versus Michigan, UC played very comfortably there. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and, and I believe you, and the thing is UC played, you know, uh, them very well. And I believe they'll play Notre Dame very well for the same reason you just stated. If that's the case, if like, I, you know, Notre Dame crowd isn't, raucous as you think even though the way they talk on the internet you would imagine they're more rock rock raucous than what they are right they they're very angry that people believe uc is as good as they are um, they are very angry about that yes um you know and, and they and they take offense to it um, and they are very mad that the quarterback of a top 10 team thinks he's good yes they're, they're really they're upset very, about this and they're mad this that scouts <laughs> believe that this, he is might. A, this is a tragedy how dare you smirch our name you know, you know, like I've won. Oh, I don't. Have you seen my? Have you seen my list of wins? It's really long. Right. It's a really long list. We, you know, we took Brian Kelly from you because we believe that he was only somewhat good with you. No, y'all knew UC was. Here's the thing. I believe these teams know Cincinnati is a good team, or they have. Cincinnati has a lot of, um, uh, you know, they have a lot of energy behind them if they get the right coach. Yep. And every time UC gets the right coach, they get taken because they know that 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 energy has been utilized. Um, and they're like, we want that. So yes, yeah. UC is a good team. You know, UC is a good team. You don't want to admit it because you're scared. That's what. No, I'm saying. I don't try to get nobody no fire. Really, I believe Notre Dame's a good team. I believe UC is just as good. Um, yeah, and it, it, I believe you believe Notre Dame's gonna have a hard time with the offense. I do. Um, so, what think, are a couple of players that you're 
you're you're circling in the in in your mental notebook for this game for the Bearcats. For the Bearcats, yeah, who, who, okay. who are two guys that you're looking for? Uh, okay. So Trey Tucker here. Trey Tucker is one guy I'm looking for because one thing that I have noticed about Trey Tucker is he has been very reliable. And and one thing they have not been doing as much this year is giving him short passes. The long passes they threw to him, he caught. Uh, I believe he only has one drop on a year or one miss pass uh, he, uh, out of 15 targets, I believe. And he, yeah, I be- he's only had a couple that have been not off target. I, I don't track drafts just because I don't want to watch every game right. for snap. No, no. I, I, I kind of picked that up uh, um, on some other stats that I uh, read on uh, the UC team. Uh, and I don't know how accurate they are, but I know Tucker has been very reliable. He, he has even made some circus catches, but he's fast. He's very, very fast. And and outside, I don't know. I don't know what Kyle Hamilton's speed is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, you know, but what I do know is that if they don't keep an eye, because they have to unleash Tucker eventually. Like, yes, we have Tyler Scott and they have Pierce, but Tucker, this is a game where Tucker can be unleashed. It really is. And if you can get him on some, you know, uh, some wheel routes, if you can get him on some quick slants uh, and he just has the opportunity. One thing people don't recognize is that that, that Tyler, not Tyler, but uh, Trey Tucker is really good in space. Um, you give him opportunity to kind of blow it open, he'll get there. Um, and then the other person that I'm looking forward to this game, I already talked about Mets earlier, but the other person that I'm looking forward to in this game who I believe will be a big factor is McConnell. Um, McConnell only had a couple of opportunities against Indiana, but the couple of opportunities he had, he got really good yardage. Outside of like, I think it was like, he got what, four carries or something like that. And like three of them were for pretty good positive yards. Um, and also I believe he's getting his legs back under him. And I believe that if you give him an opportunity, he will exploit it. And once again, I don't think Notre Dame can match our team speed. I just don't. Uh, and between and if if and if you know uh, uh, you know you get that change of back and and McConnell get his get his space get his place back as as that change of back option, I think he can. I think this is the game where he finally breaks out. I do. You can see it bubbling um, when he gets the chance, and it almost happened a couple times against who did he uh, get more carries against Mercer? Not Mercer, but. Uh, Emerge? He got the he got four carries against Miami, but that was when Evan Prater was in. Right. Um, he had three in the Indiana game for okay twelve three. yeah twelve yards and a catch for four. Yeah, so twelve yards. Yeah, but if he if it's but to me it feels like it's bubbling, and he if he if we get a chance um, to really get you know his hands on that ball and find a hole is I think he'll break it. But what I will say is, um, of course, uh, we have. Um, The the tight end that uh guys my brain I just I I so I went blank everyone just to let you guys know um <laughs> it happens it's it's you know it's been a long day but uh you know the Wiley Wiley is my ex, uh, is my my you know um, honorable mention uh I think that we don't know Notre Dame's uh, linebackers we haven't heard much about them and uh, I think they'll have a hard time with Wiley if we unleash the beast. So, 
Yeah, I, I agree with with Wiley being a potential. Like he's only had seven targets on the year. That's mm-hmm. not nearly enough. You know, Indiana didn't really have anybody who could cover him in space, but he only got two targets. That's not right. not nearly enough. Um, for me, the number one guy I'm looking out for is is, is Tyler Scott because yeah. one, he's always open. Oh yeah, like, always open. It's but also because yeah. of the way that Notre Dame is going to play. I suspect. My suspicion is so against Wisconsin, Kyle Hamilton was mostly the deep free range safety mm-hmm. in their in either cover cover three or cover one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just played the middle of the field, deep, deep as the deepest, didn't let anything happen. My suspicion, and we won't really know this until the game, like they move him around a lot. They'll play him in that role, they'll also play him down in the box. My guess is they're gonna put him in the box because they don't really have any, but like their linebackers aren't really going to be able to adequately spy devs. Right. And if, so this is contingent upon a couple of things. Um, if they bring him down as a box, their other safety is not good. He is not a good center fielder. No. Um, they played two guys. I'm not really worried about either of them, but one thing that UC has not shown at all this year is the RPO game. Right. They've not shown it even a little bit. No, they have not, which has been frustrating, but I understand why. But I think we're going to see a lot of it. You know, we'll see it four or five times against Notre Dame. And the idea of – and UC usually plays – when they do the RPO, they go short. They don't usually hit the glance on the backside. Right. You know, they don't hit that that alert route. I think they're going to have to hit it at least once, maybe twice, to really break up on this game because – and Tyler Scott is the most obvious candidate for that just because he is – such a mismatch with his speed. Um, right. So I think he's the one that I'm looking for, particularly in that situation. If they're playing Hamilton down in the box, you got to be able to, to make them pay for putting him down there. And then the other player that I'm really looking forward to is the Sean Pace. Like he had a breakout game against Indiana. I think he's going to fully rest that starting job from time on mm-hmm. Um I will be shocked if Van Fossen starts. I mean, he's still going to play. If they play a lot of people, they roll deep. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Pace is a guy that you just have to have out there because he is, and that's exactly what that position is for. It's for your best, most instinctual player. Like Darrell yes. White was not a prototypical anything. No, you know? he, he's five foot eight, about two ten maybe. Um, fast for you know, fast in pads, but not fast on, on the timing sheet. He ran a four or five, didn't he? think it was that fast you don't okay. um, <laughs> but he put my point is that he's he played so much faster than he he right. he timed because he was so good at anticipating what the offense was going to do yes. and i think he's got a major role to play in this game just because notre dame is going to try to isolate their backs in space and they're going to try to isolate meyer in space um and pace is the guy who can really make those matchups less profitable for the Irish. And if they can't get those those looks going, because that is kind of the bread and butter right now, because mm-hmm. against a really good elite secondary, their receivers are good, but they're not great. They're not elite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he can play a major role in this game. Not necessarily stuffing the stat sheet with tackles and, and sacks and all this, but by playing good coverage. No, I, I, I agree with that. I never said anyone on defense. Now, I'm real quick. I do think it's Van. I know uh, Kelly on his presser said something about Van. If they try to put a sufficient players on Van because 
um, then they're going to leave Sanders. You don't want to leave Sanders because Sanders going to abuse if you allow Sanders to go one-on-one. Uh, and so I think that they're still going to focus on Sanders because like, he'll be a problem if we leave him one-on-one. Um, and Van, I do think, is going to maul whoever is on him for the O-line um, and cause a lot of issues uh, like he has been in the last three games. Uh, Van, one, Indiana Van wasn't big getting any sacks, or but he was do, uh, causing a lot of havoc issues as far as pressure and stuff goes because they try to one-on-one him because they're trying to double Sanders. So. Yeah, and that's the dilemma that every offensive line is going to have playing this defense because – Unless you're gonna do, you know, the Ohio State two man route stuff, right? You don't, you don't got enough bodies, and you exactly. don't got enough big enough bodies, and you don't have enough good enough bodies. Exactly. And, and I never thought it would be the case, but Notre Dame in that in that situation where they don't have enough big good bodies, it's crazy to say. It's crazy to hear. Really, really <laughs> bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? Um, uh, we talked about probably everything. <laughs> we talked I think about we covered. Lot. I think we covered all our bases. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, uh, I think this is very. This is really good for the first podcast, especially for a game like this. Uh, it, it made us kind of go backwards, then come forwards again. Uh, yeah, and you know, it, it, this one was a draining one because of the excitement behind it, but I enjoyed it. Uh. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, um, we're going to try to put these out more uh, reg- as regular as possible. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, we'll try to do every week, right? right. Every we're week. Thinking. Yeah. That we're thinking every week. And we appreciate everyone who has tuned in and listened. And is there anything else you want to add, um, Matt? Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great night. All right.